Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, it's Tuesday, and we're here to make you mad. That's right. Does your dog go to heaven? Well, okay. Yeah, same idea, right? Does your dog go to heaven? Does your animal have a soul? We just talked about animals like a minute ago for us, but yesterday's podcast. Yesterday's podcast. And we're not done yet. We're not done. We've got an axe to grind. We do. Pastor PJ has an axe to grind and and we're going to talk about something. Okay. So does an animal have a soul? Yes or no? And explain why. I would say our, by our biblical understanding of soul, I would say no, because a soul implies that, that we are an immaterial being that is created by God with an eternity in view. Um, and my conviction is I, I don't think my dogs that I've had in my life are going to be in heaven. Um, and so again, you you're probably so mad. Cold. You're listening to this mad right now, aren't you? you? Um, but, and, and people will say, well, my dog knows right from wrong and feels guilty. No, it doesn't. It knows that when it does wrong, it gets SWAT and it doesn't want to be SWAT. Mm. That's called instinct. That's called survival instinct. That's, okay. that's okay. an animal's natural instinct to know if I do that, if I pee on the carpet, it's not going to go well for me. He doesn't feel bad that he peed on your carpet. So stop being like, well, he looks so guilty. No, he's afraid that he's going to get punished. He's afraid that he's going to get hurt. Like that's an animal's instinct kicking in. Um, an animal is not sitting there going, I need to really confess that I just did that. I can't guilty believe conscience. that. You know, coming up and nuzzling your Please arm, your hand and being like, oh, well, he's repentant. No, he's not. Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. Stop it. Knock it off and stop it. I've never heard anyone talk about their pet like that. But <sighs> Dude, really? I No. Oh, I have. Like that. I mean, I've, I've heard some funny things, I but not I bet like you that. we've got people talking to the radios right now saying, my dog has a soul. He knows right from wrong. She does. She does. Uh, no. Okay. Well, I will offer a, a balanced. A, a, that's a, what you're here to do. That's why balance. You, that's like everything. <laughs> Dude, I think they like it. I like, they, they, they like when we playfully fight and work things out. I think animals have a type of soul. Obviously, it's not the the human soul. That's the God-breathed one. That's the one that is made in his image. It it constitutes our person. There is a kind of soul, and and I think it's what animates them. It's what gives them their personalities. Every animal has their own personality. I think there's something there beyond their physicality that makes them who they are, a who of sorts, and not just a what. And I would even suggest that God in his mercy may, in fact, give you some elements of that animal in heaven. There are Oof. animals in heaven. There are, but there's, I think they're horses. created. Yeah, of course they are. Of course there. they're created. And would, would it not be beyond God to be like, hey, I, I know that you really liked Henry, to use one of the animals that we, we know about. Oh, man. You really liked Henry. Let me uh, let me bless you with Henry in heaven now. Perfected Henry. I Okay, so here... I know, I, and that's speculative. I, but now we're back... Uh, all right, then let me be the Sadducee. A man had a dog <laughs> named Henry, and that dog died. And he bought another dog named Frank, and that dog died. And he bought another dog sure. named Steve, and that dog died. I have no problem. Whose dog is that man in heaven? Right? Like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm just you're making stuff up. I, if, if 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 Jane Doe had 15 dogs in her life, and she named them all different names, and in heaven, God's like, here's 15 of those dogs. I don't, I don't think that in any way compromises she's our the theology. Dog lady all of a sudden, she was well, <laughs> she, she was a normal lady that just had one dog, and now all of a sudden she's the dog lady. In but heaven. if all fifteen, she's like, I want all fifteen, God, and the Lord's like, okay, here's all fifteen. Why wouldn't He? If we, if heaven is ultimately going to be on earth, and animals are part of the good creation, what's what would prevent God from saying, yeah, I'm I'm going to reconstitute Henry and give you Henry perfected, 
though not in the same way that you and I are. Because I, that would speak to an eternality about an animal's existence. And I, I don't, I think that's what separates mankind as, as unique amongst creation. I think that the, the immortality of the future of our, our beings sets us apart as, as part of that created in the image of God element. I think everything else here is part of natural creation. I mean, you think about like the trees, it, he's not going to bring your favorite oak tree from your backyard back in heaven. Like it's gone. I, okay, l- let, let me push back on you though. The original creation was meant to be permanent, right? Be- before Genesis 3, God designed it, it was good, it was meant to go on forever, right? No, I mean, now, granted- Now we're in layers. Yes, I, uh, but, uh, but you, you brought it up, so I, I'm gonna counter that and he, say- I will say he, it was without defect. It was declared to be very good. Okay, and it was designed in, in God's <laughs> intentions for that moment. It was designed to, to go on forever. I think that at least suggests that animals that he created at that time would have also lived indefinitely. There's a difference in immortality and eternality. Eternality, I, I, well, we're not eternal. Has, no, we have eternal life that awaits us. Okay. Right. Um, and, and that has to do with the afterlife that has, and everything we read about in scripture, that is the deciding factor on eternal life is, is right and wrong. It's, it comes down to ultimately sure. the right being trusting and totally. trust, right? Totally. So an animal has zero capacity to do that. I think an animal is, is here as a common grace of this earth. Agreed. But I don't think that that common grace is going to be an eternal common grace where Fido is going to be there in heaven. But if the animal doesn't have a soul, as you suggest, it makes my case even stronger. Because then there's no problem saying, okay, I'm going to bring Fido back from the dead and I'm going to give you Fido in the new heavens and new earth because he never sinned. He never had any issue. There was no soul in his body, so he's good. I I don't see it because there's nothing lasting about the animal. The animal's gone. Like the soul doesn't go to a holding tank. Sure. The, the, it's just gone. But I, Okay, so I disagree. I think there is a soul of sorts. But if the animal's physicality is alone, what makes that animal the animal, then God could say, well, here you go. But the, you believe that the soul goes, of the animal it ceases exists? ceases to exist. It ceases to exist. Okay. And God just decides, I'm going to give you the same version, to, to use some tech, tech speak. I'm going to give you the same thing. But it's going to be AI. It's going to be an AI fighter. I don't know. It's going to be a robot dog. I don't know. That's, okay. Yeah. Look, whatever. No one's going to build a church on this stuff. No, but, but one thing we can both agree on is there's no cats there. Prop, definitely no cats, yeah. except for the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's there. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Uh, that's true. I guess uh, touche <laughs> cat lovers out there. I guess you have ground leg up on us. Yeah, you do. There's no yeah. dogs that I can think of that. The are lion's going to lay with the lamb. Yeah. There's lambs there. There's snakes. The snakes, child yeah, over yeah. the That's the right. Hanging out the, viper. the viper's den. Oh, man. It's bad news for the dogs. And I'm saying all this. I have a dog, by the way. So if you're like, well, yeah, if Patrick. you guys had a dog, you would know. Uh, Maverick. Yeah. Same yep. difference. Close. He's uh, huge. Some different man. consonants. That dude's huge. Yeah. He's 50 pounds. He's like, he's a monster. I he's, went to your house the other day and this guy, he was like, he was jumping on me. He's yeah. massive, trying to bite my hand. Yeah. I bit him back. But if you spray him, he is like half the size that he actually is. The majority <laughs> of him is just fur. Yeah. Cool dog, man. He's a puff, puff ball. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that was helpful. That's a conversation about that. So I was helped by that. You can listen to Pastor PJ begrudgingly from now on going, he doesn't like animals. <laughs> I do. I like animals. I just think they're for here. I don't think they're for there. I think there's going to be heaven animals there. I think we're going to have unicorns and stuff <laughs> and they're going to fly. That and would be good. Yeah. It's going to be way better than any of our animals here. Yeah. I, 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 I what agree. about goldfish? Like are goldfish going to be in heaven? 
I don't see that's that's more challenging for me because I don't think that goldfish possess Why? the same kind of animate nature that a dog does or a, or a cat does even. They I hear goldfish are super smart. People say. Is that true? People say. I don't know what people have said that, but th- there's lower life forms that clearly only operate off of instinct. And there are higher life forms like dogs or cats that clearly have some kind of more than intuition it seems like. Okay. All right. So then monkeys gorillas I, I, higher life forms i i think there's something there and again I, I don't think it's a human soul obviously but there's something there that makes them different than the than, than a lizard okay but the, but the 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 monkey it's in the jungle that it, it doesn't know dr livingston i presume <laughs> or anybody else like that that doesn't doesn't know sign language it's just being a monkey out there in the jungle it dies okay okay if your argument is based on the higher life form and and things like that that monkey never interacts with a human being. Sure. Is that monkey going to be reconstituted in eternity? I don't think he necessarily has to be. I think it's their connection to humans that gives them a, a differentiation that's that, that's meaningful to me. But only if they're smart enough. Because no. if you've got a human that that loves the the fireflies in the jar that it caught, and it's like, man, these are my favorite fireflies. I call this one Frank, and this one Susie, and this one's Beans. Like, <laughs> and and then those fireflies die, and that child is crushed because his fireflies died. Lower life form. I don't think. So it is intelligence. I I think there is something about that. Yes. Because when God created us, the fact, and this is a question too. When you talk about what the image of God is, we talk about emotion, intellect, and will, right? That's that's typically what we rely on. But you could easily argue emotion, intellect, and will all can be severely compromised in an image bearer. Someone who's born without those capacities is no less an image bearer than someone with all of those capacities fully intact. Right, because they're definitively a human being. And, that, and that's my point. They're humans. They possess something qualitatively different. And I'm, I, I will never bridge the gap of saying humans, animals are the same. Never. Right. But there are some animals that possess something more than a firefly. That's my, that's my point. They're different. They possess intelligence beyond what, what seems to be mere instinct. And I'm, I'm willing to hold that loosely. But it's not But it's not all of them because the not gorilla all. in the jungle, isn't, it, it's gone. God it's made a mosquito. Dirt, it's I, just warm food. And, and yes, I think it, that's possible because God, he has no He has no reason to bring up gr- the gorilla in the middle of the jungle because there's no human interaction. A human that says, man, I really love my gorilla, whoever, I think it's well within God's capacity to say, I'm going to give you that gorilla. All right. Well, I'm going to get to heaven. God's going to be like, you don't get any of your dogs back. That's because true. Because you held that That's position. true. And then so. I'm going to, he's going to give them to me and I'm going to be parading them in front of your yard. Great. That's awesome. You can have Maverick. <laughs> All right. Exodus chapter 22. My daughter listens to this. She's probably horrified poor, right now. She's like, dad, poor Annie. She likes her dog. You can come visit him anytime, Annie. All right. Well, there you go. Exodus 22, more of these case laws. Uh, let me just break it down high level and then we can maybe go back through and, and pick some out. There's a couple I like. Uh, yeah, 22, one through four, laws about livestock. Uh, 22, five through six, you've got laws about farmland. Uh, 22, seven through 15, you've got laws about property. Uh, 22, 16 through 17, you've got laws about sexual impropriety. Social justice, it says, Pastor Pete. Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't grab says. that one. Yeah. Uh, 22, 18 through 20, you've got laws about aberrant behavior, uh, sorcery, bestiality, idolatry. Uh, 21 through 27 of chapter 22, you've got laws about the vulnerable, uh, laws about respect, uh, respecting speech, de- respecting in your offerings, your worship, devotion, even in your diet, verses 28 through 31 there. And then we'll get into chapter 23. But let's let's start in chapter 22. What are some of these laws that jumped out to you, PR? So I saw one about theft, and I, I actually use this one. Um, so I, I noticed here in so chapter 22, starting at verse 9, um, a neighbor who steals something, 
They come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. So I think the the idea that you pay back double for what you stole is something that should still remain today. Okay. And I, I employed this very thing with one of my dear children who stole something and they had to pay back the debt twofold. Oof. That was it went, and it was a it was a big number too. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's that, that's biblical wisdom. Yeah. And that's enough of a deterrent to never have them do it again. And they haven't done it was years ago now. They haven't done it again. So I think that's the kind of case law that I'm like, okay, that's 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 wise right there. Okay. That's wise. Okay. Uh, yeah. How about if you loan your, your neighbor, your animal and, uh, the animal dies while the neighbor's taking care of it. Does that animal go to heaven? Pastor Ron? <laughs> Depends. It was her relationship with you. I don't know. Um, no, but, uh, yeah. And in some cases, all that to say restitution wasn't required. If, if this is an accident, if things uh, were not done with nefarious intent, sometimes restitution is not necessarily required there. Uh, here's something that's, yeah, go on. What I was going to say? say, well, there's also that one about negligence too. If he's torn by beast, let True. him bring it as evidence. Oh, this one he's at. He shall, he, he shall not make restitution. So you'd have to yeah. prove that there was in fact an accident. There was an animal. Yeah. Then the, the wisdom of God in this case law is still to be studied and appreciated. It is. Yeah. Um, interesting story, uh, about verse 19, uh, in parents, you can, uh, where on earth is this going? Yeah. Well, okay. So Rick Holland, who's a pastor in, uh, in Missouri, uh, one of my mentors in uh, in college, he picked his son up from school one day and his son was was just super quiet in the back seat. And Rick was like, hey, are you okay there? And his son was like, yeah, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And Rick kind of probed a little bit more. He's like, are you sure you're okay? And his son was like, yeah, he said, we just, our teacher brought up some weird stuff in, in school. His son was going to a public school at the time. Well, they brought up the subject of this first mm. and Rick's response, and I'll never forget it, Rick, Rick's response to his son was, that's great. And, uh, and his son was like horrified. So they drove, drove home and Rick oh, opened up to I, this verse. I think I know where this is going. And he was like, look, son, there's nothing new under the sun. This is something that was talked about back in the old Testament and God was against it there. God's mm-hmm. still against it today. Right. And so he's just reminding his son, like, even though it looks like, man, just things are spinning out of control and the world is as wicked as it's ever been. There's some truth to that. And yet there's nothing new under the sun. Wickedness is wickedness. And God's word is helpful to us even today, as much as it was back then. So interesting story. Oh, oh, I th- okay. You I thought, thought it was going a different direction. I did. I thought the kid was going to start crying because he was like, "Oh, I was I, I lay down with Fluffy all the time." No, and they misunderstood the passage. No, thinking, oh, you can't actually. This this is more than that. No, this was Rick just saying, "Hey, look, God's word is it, it's it's timeless in that sense." Oh so, yeah, well the, yeah. that's true. Yeah, I guess one of the things that I mentioned about that particular verse here is that this this describes the Canaanite practices. Canaanites, yep. the, this is part of the reason why God expelled them from the land because they were practicing stuff like this in addition to burning their children. Yeah. So these are not the kind of people that you want to say, hey, let's be my neighbor. No, this God's talking to them about the very thing that he's going to expel the Canaanites from the land for. Right. So why is this important? Why is this important? That's why this is important is what no. I was getting at. So. I was like, you just answered that question. Yeah. Did I miss? Uh, yeah, one, one thing, sorcery, uh, verse 18. Um, uh, at least in the Greek, and, and I, I haven't done the full study in, in the Hebrew, but I assume there's there's parallels there. Uh, the Greek word for sorcery was pharmakeia, which is where we get our English word pharmaceuticals. Uh, and so a, a lot of that had to do with drugs and, uh, and hallucinogens and things like that. And so uh, I assume that there's a, a, a bit of a parallel between the, the Greek understanding of that, the New Testament understanding of it, and the Old Testament understanding of it. So it wasn't that this is like the boil, boil, toil, and trouble, um, you know, witch with the, the pointy hat kind of sorcery. But there's connections to that, though. Th- there is, and yeah. That's, and that's in the occult. That, right. In the occult, they're all about that. Right. They, they use different concoctions of 
chemicals, drugs to create a certain frame totally. of mind. So one would still be wise not to engage in this stuff today. I think even the stuff like the the uh, the crystals and I mean, not not certainly not everybody in this movement, but sometimes the essential oil concoctions can feel <laughs> a little bit like this. Again, not everybody, um, but just be careful. This, this, there's nothing new under the sun, as you're, as you're just saying. And lots of this stuff is coming back in full force because Christianity has left a vacuum in our culture where people are trying to fill it with all sorts of re- religious ideas. And it's coming in the form of lots of pharmaceutical type concoctions, all sorts of weird things. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, the rest of, uh, of chapter 22 then, laws about the vulnerable and laws about respect. The vulnerable is interesting. Caring for, the, it brought up social justice. Um, biblically defined social justice looks like caring for those that can't take care of themselves um, as far as this goes. The aliens, those that were foreigners, uh, wandering strangers in the land. The widows and the orphans. And, and that one in particular is carried over in the New Testament. Um, uh, I believe it's I believe it's James that talks about the widows. Yes. Um, and whether, when you should enroll a widow, when you shouldn't enroll a widow. And um, un- unfortunately, our sending church had a lot of experience dealing with young widows, um, just as God would have it. And uh, the church supported them, but also was encouraging them to be remarried. And, and right. a lot of them did. So uh, just interesting here about what it looks like to really care for the needy and the helpless from God's perspective. Indeed. And First Timothy 5, in case you want to do some reading on that, gives instructions for the church. Yes. And, and and even who, I guess this is worth bringing up, even who the church does financially support. Right. There are a long list of, I want to call them obstacles, but hurdles to overcome before the church gives out money to people that ask. And First Timothy chapter 5 tells us at least part the kind of widow that the church should consider giving money to. Yeah. Yeah, well, then uh, chapter 23, we get into uh, more laws. Uh, Laws about integrity, uh, legal matters, verses 1 through 3, and enemy's ox. (laughs) What do you do with your enemy's ox if if you find it? Um, Laws about the poor in verse 6, rendering verdicts in verses 7 through 8, treating the aliens. Uh, In other words, God wanted his people to be above reproach uh, on these uh, these matters and these issues. Verses 10 through 19, then about provision. what to do with regard to Sabbath law, what to in, in the land, what to do with regard to the provision of God's revelation to, uh, to people. Verse 13, what to do about the three feasts that they were to, to observe. Verses 14 through 17, that being unleavened bread, feast of the harvest, and the feast of the ingathering. And then also uh, food laws, some there uh, towards the end of, uh, of that section. Then uh, in verses uh, 20 through 23, you get uh, some more covenant promise languages of the blessings for obedience here. If they would listen um, that God would be an enemy to their enemies, verses 22 through 23. And if they didn't go after other gods, there would be blessings for their obedience. And yet there would be uh, cursings and, and some warnings that are issued there towards the end of the chapter about their disobedience and idol worship. Notice in verse 26, like, yeah, that's the 26 here. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. So notice early on in the text, God is making clear that part of what will make them fruitful is their obedience and and their adherence to his covenant with them, which is what probably began this idea that if you were barren, it must be because you yourself were unfaithful. Mm. We know that that's not always the case in God's economy, but just know here, this is kind of part of the, the covenant. Let's back up a second here and realize that all of this covenant is within the purview of God's relationship to Israel. His desire is to make them distinct, to not look like the nation surrounding them. So this is where this information is coming in. This is their their interactions with one another, their their religious interactions, their social interactions. All of this is within the context of how God wants them to be different. And that hasn't changed. The the specific data has changed for us. 
But what God wants from us as his people is to be distinct, to be holy, to be upright, and to look different than the world around us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Chapter 24 then is really the the ratification of the covenant. The covenant confirmed is what the ESV title has on that. You'll notice in verse three, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules and all the people answered again, you wish this would continue. And they said, we'll do exactly as the Lord had said. Uh, Down in verse seven, he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they all said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. There's the blood here as, as all covenants required blood as the book of Hebrews talks about even. Um, and the blood is pre- present here as well as there's offerings and there's sacrifices. And, uh, and then um, the, the, the affirmation from the people agreeing on their part in, to enter into this covenant with the Lord. Uh, the uh, verse 12, then you'll notice the, the Lord calls Moses up the mountain now by himself. Aaron had gone up previously. Now it's, it's just going to be Moses and Moses is going to go up to receive the tablets of stone, the actual tablets, uh, not these two that would end up in the ark because we'll find out something happens to these two, unfortunately. But, uh, but these, uh, these covenant uh, tablets that would be the, the written law for the people to have together. And so Moses goes and takes Joshua with him up the mountain this time. And, uh, and this is the, the, the confirmation, the ratification of the covenant. And notice here, it takes place within the context of a divine meal. This is cool. This yeah. is the importance and the significance of meals throughout the scriptures. You'll notice that meals often are the place of communion and connection. Jesus stands at the door and, and at the door and knocks, and whoever opens the door, he'll come in and he'll what he'll do what with he'll have a meal with them. Yep. I'll sup with them. That was his desire. God's desire has always been to connect with humanity, in particular Israel, but as a as a microcosm that expands to all of humanity. He wants to have communion with us. And part of that communion is a meal. These guys celebrate the covenant with a divine meal. They're in God's very presence. That's got to be crazy. Yeah. I, I, I read that and I thought this is, I can't even wrap my mind around what this would be like, but that's super cool. It is. Meals are important. They're no less important today. Make sure that you have some meals this week with people that you love. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, as, as Pastor Rod, as you were saying earlier, you know, Israel is, is eventually called a people for God's own possession, a kingdom of priests, a, a right. holy people, right? And Peter does take that language and apply it to the church later on in the New Testament. And uh, and so, l- lest we read all these things and think, man, th- th- this just doesn't have anything to do with me and, and I don't have sorcery going on in my life and uh, praise God. Um, maybe they, I'm telling you, man, the crystals, you know, yeah. those are a big thing right now. Um, I, my enemy's ox, I haven't come across that recently. And, you know, so I've, I've been okay there. Listen, when, to bring it back full circle, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, love God, love others. That's what the law boiled down to for Israel. That's what it boils down to for you and I today. So it looks different. We don't need to worry about, worry about boiling a goat in our, it's mother's milk. There's some some laws that were unique to the people there, but there's also a lot of this that we can take away going, what's the principle here that we need to remember about how God wants us to conduct our lives today? Because it's the same for us too. So It is. And many of those things, I'm telling you, man, just just take a few moments to think about those laws and yeah. how they apply to you today. I mean, you found your, your neighbor's, your enemy neighbor's cat. You don't just run him over. Right, well, Pastor PJ? Well, right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be an eternity. <laughs> Anyway, I think the laws have so much richness to give to you, even today. They do. So I'd encourage you to linger over some of them. And remember, right, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. So as you read this, rejoice in that as well. And and we'll pick up on that even more so as we get into Deuteronomy. 
Um, and and we, we go through, man, just the stipulations for the blessings and, and cursings. And we can just be so thankful that Christ has fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law for us. And, uh, and, and that's what we can rejoice in as we read this as well. Indeed. All right, y'all. Keep reading your Bibles and uh, tune in tomorrow for more. See you then. We'll try to make you angry about something else. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.